called with death. Have you had one? I have. I've had a lot of them, but who's counting? In this session, we'll talk about the events of those of us that have come dangerously close to death and had the great luck or destiny to elude death and carry on. Enjoy the show. So today, as my guest, I have Cheyenne Schwain, and who I met while I was fishing up in Alaska, up in Ketchikan, Alaska, uh, fishing for silver coho salmon. And I met her and her parents, and um, at night we all get together and kind of like have this gathering where we all get to know each other and stuff and tell stories. And I was talking about the um, Close Call with Death podcast. And Cheyenne tuned in to the conversation and joined the conversation and said, hey, you know what, I have a story about a friend of mine that I played soccer with when I was 12, and she passed away unexpectedly right there with me. And since then, it has really changed my life. And um, I thought this is a fantastic story, you know, that needs to be told. And, and we need to get into it tonight and really talk to you about um, what it is that what your story is and, and how that powerful um, situation affected you the rest of, li uh, of your life. So, Shine, why don't you tell me a little bit about you and where are you going? Where you've been? Yeah, thanks for that introduction. Um, I'm Cheyenne. I'm 23. Um, Alaska was such a trip. I can't believe we got to share that experience together, going fishing with my dad, you, and everyone else was just amazing. Um, and yeah, I'm 23. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, um, but I live in a van right now. We talked about that as well. Um, I love traveling. I'm an avid traveler. I'm headed to Dubai, to Dubai here in just a few days, and um, I am in Salt Lake right now. We got the honor to kind of meet up. Um, hey, you know what? Back, yeah. back up just a second. You said, I live in a van. Yeah. And, and I know that mm -hmm. um, because of talking up there, but tell me again, why do you live in a van? <laughs> what kind of van? Where do you go? Okay. I live in a conversion van. My dad and I built it during COVID because um, business was picking up for me just before the pandemic. And I was traveling all over the world and the pandemic hit and I was, I was kind of depressed. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. And I've always wanted to live in a van. It, right when I turned 15 and you get your permit, I was like, dad, I want a van. <laughs> he was like, what? You're 15 years old. You can't afford that. And I was like, okay. So when the pandemic hit um, and I had the finances to convert a van with my dad, um, we, we did that. And yeah, I travel around the United States living in my van. I'm a very minimalist. Um, I love a good, simple life. And I really love being out in nature. And um, I lived in my car at a point in my life. And I really enjoyed that. So having a conversion van with... Um, a little bit more space and utilities and things of that nature really helped me um, just kind of travel and do what I really wanted to do. So, yeah, that's the van story. <laughs> that is cool. And and uh, when you travel around your van, you document your experience out there, don't you? Yes. Yes, on Instagram. Um, I do not have a YouTube channel this time, but Instagram is my main platform that I utilize and, um, yeah, I kind of just share those experiences with family, friends, and I have um, my Instagram account that I run my business out of. So, yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I mean, it sounds so exciting. And uh, I used to have a little Volkswagen uh, camper van back oh, when I was awesome. in high school. But I ran into a black Angus cow. And it's one of the sessions that are on the Close Call with Death. So yeah. don't do that when you're out <laughs> there. You know, just, just take care of yourself. Absolutely. So that's awesome. Um Tell me, you know, when we were talking about uh, this close call with death, this is a little bit different because it's not 
you having this uh, accident or illness or situation that almost took your life and then you have a reflection on life and think what am I going to do with the rest of my life how did I how does it change you so right. tell me about about the death situation in this story though right so um, I was 12 years old um, my best friend and I would carpool to our soccer games it would either be my dad or um, her mom and we were going to the soccer game that day normal um, she had actually just scored a goal and I played defense and she was offense so anytime she scored a goal we would run up to each other and you know how 12 year old 12 year olds are you do a handshake or something fun like that yeah. and she had asthma so naturally after like scoring or running you know for a, an extended period of time our coach knew to take her off and it was just natural to do so and this time when she got subbed in um she climbed over the boards because it was an indoor soccer game so it wasn't outside so we had boards you got to jump over to get some water and she jumped over and I just remember my coach kind of like gasping and we all looked over like oh hey Lauren just has asthma let's get her her inhaler so the referee um took a moment to pause the game um make sure we could find her inhaler and she was just out cold I remember running over to um the bench and looking down and her body was just limp on the ground laying there like kind of in a fetal position but not as tight just kind of you know like like someone would pass out or something like that and I was like well this is a little strange it's not normally um her type of asthma attack so I ran over to her soccer bag I grabbed the inhaler and just tried giving it to her and at that time I think my coach knew something was different something was wrong and so at that time he kind of told all, all of us teammates to back off and I was like just started instantly crying because I could tell something was wrong and so at that time um he canceled the game or the referee canceled the game. Um, people were coming in with oxygen tanks. And I remember vividly that the firefighters with the oxygen tanks were just walking. And I was 12 year old sassy girl. My best friends like sitting there, you know, limp, not moving. Did you just yell at them? I just yelled at them. I'm like, I didn't cuss or say anything. I just remember just yelling at them like, what are you doing? Like, go, go, go. Yeah, and everyone else, there. yeah, everyone else just seems so much more calm than me. Like, hey, it's just asthma or hey, she just needs oxygen. But something in me just felt different and I was so mad. I was just so mad and so frustrated. So um, that was the night that she collapsed and then um, she got wheeled off. You know, the ambulance came and got her and we just didn't know what was wrong at the time. So the game was called off. We all the whole team went and got dinner together that evening, said a few prayers, um, and that was it until she sat in the ICU for about, it was about three weeks, about 20, 20 something days. And um, they pulled the plug just because. She was just unconscious on life support at that yep, time? Yep. They, I don't even remember um, exactly what was happening. I was, I think I was so traumatized that I try to, I, I think I tried to get that memory out of my head of what those three weeks were like because no one really had an answer. I would come home from school every day and mom, dad, like how's Lauren doing and stuff like that. And they just never had an answer. So for those three weeks, I don't even remember what was sure. happening, but I, yeah. yeah, something like life support. I think she was in a coma. Um, they were running all kinds of tests and she was my best friend, you know, like that person that you went to school with and did everything with. So, yeah. um, her mom would check in with me, but other than that, yeah, I don't, I don't even remember that point. Cause I think I was just so, I didn't, yeah. Oh, that is just heartbreaking, you know, and, and I bet that whole time y- y- it was just lonely for you not to be with your best friend. Yeah. 
And um, so what happened at that point? Um, she passed away. Then, then what did they say that happened to her? What, what was it that actually happened? Um, it was something in her heart. I think it was a heart aneurysm. She was adopted from Ukraine, so they didn't have any medical records on oh. her from the ages of zero to two-ish. Um, so they they didn't have any, yeah, they didn't have any medical records, but it was a heart aneurysm. Her heart just exploded, um, essentially. Yeah. And yeah, they her mom decided to pull the plug because she was going brain dead. There was no other things that they could really do, and I think... It was just really hard on her mom. Um, but yeah, she passed away um, in late January and right before, right after her birthday, actually. Our birthdays were about six weeks apart. So it was just, I remember that year just being absolutely terrible and going to school, all the things. Uh, where was that? Where, where did that happen, Cheyenne? Yeah, in St. Louis um, at Delwood Park is the complex it was at. Kay. So, yep, in St. Louis. Was the funeral, um, how, what was that like for you? to yeah. go to her funeral. Wow. Yeah, that was very hard. Um when you're in school, there are, you know, 12-year-old kids showing up to a funeral. It just sel- it just felt so odd. Um and I recently had my grandpa's funeral and it was like normal. Everyone was kind of happy, he had a great life. But like a 12-year-old's funeral is one of the most depressing things I think I've ever been a part of because everyone's looking at this this young you know, life that had so much potential and so many things she wanted to do. And um, it was, I, I couldn't even, I almost didn't go just because I couldn't imagine like seeing her in um, a place that wasn't being happy and doing what she For liked. Sure. Yeah. So it was, it was very hard. Yeah. Did you have a chance to see her before she did she, before she was buried? No. So the last time I saw her was limp. Yep, Dead. before they took her to the hospital. Right before the hospital, yeah. yeah. That because That's I think good. family. At least she didn't yeah. have that lasting last image in your mind uh, that you would have to carry on the rest of your life. Yes, and I at the time I didn't understand why my parents wouldn't me, wouldn't let me go to the hospital. I was mad at them. I was like, I want to go. I want to see how she's doing. Yeah. And my dad, I just remember him saying, "You don't want to see her like that." And I was like, "I don't care. <laughs> I want to go." <laughs> you know, she's my friend. Um, but now sure. looking back on that, I'm really glad that playing soccer with her and everything else that led up to that event was how I remember her because I couldn't imagine seeing her. Uh, My dad and I have talked about it since because he would go and visit and he said she was just bloated. Her fingers were swollen. They were pumping. I mean, it just didn't look good. So I'm glad now being older and reflecting on it that I didn't go. But um, yeah, good question. (laughs) Man, so um, after that happened then – what did you think at the time? I mean, oh, oh, you're only 12 years old, and so you're trying to think about ways to get on with life. Yeah. How did you do that? You know, did you get any new friends? Did did it take a while before you had anybody that you really trusted as your friend, or how did what happened? And did you stay in that same town for a while? Or good question. Um, so uh, actually, a series of events kind of unfolded after she passed away. Um, my parents got divorced. And my dad started dating her mom, so it was a mess. I was just so relentless of the whole situation. Um, Friends were still okay because I was involved in a lot of different athletics, so I just still didn't feel the same bond that I felt with her. Um, And then I did move. I couldn't even, I didn't want to go to school. I was, like, depressed. I didn't understand those types of emotions because I think 12, 13, 14, you know, you're going through puberty. Yes, and with a death and a divorce, 
you know, within six months, oh my goodness, I, I just focused on school and athletics. I was a big nerd and I was involved in any, everything I could. So I am really happy also looking back and reflecting that I didn't turn into substances or um, other things that I see other people fall into when a traumatic event happens. I kind of turn that anger and depression and like sadness into um, performance and academics and athletics and traveling. I always wanted to travel because that's what she wanted to do as well. So after that kind of unfolded, I was just confused and I think I suppressed those emotions with, yeah, athletics and academics, I would say. So, you know, um, was there anything else that really kind of kept you from going a little bit to the dark side, you know, to choose those vices that would take you down and, and really challenge you? Yeah, I think um, just thinking of her because she, I mean, she was so happy and like smiley all the time and there was definitely temptations of of just giving up and not, I didn't even want to play soccer anymore. That was like our sport. It was our thing. And I think turning that into something positive is what kept me going. But there were temptations, I, you know, depression at that age and going through all of that. I, d- I didn't understand it. You know, I think now yeah. I can reflect and look back and understand what depression means or anxiety or those types of emotions. But at the time when you're going through it and you're that age, you don't understand it. But no, um, no temptations other than just being confused, I would say. <laughs> yeah. And that lasted for how long? Um, oh, years. I think just recently, just two or three years ago, I've kind of let go and I understand what happened in those years because when you're, when when you're asking me these questions and I think sometimes when I reflect or journal about them, I can't even answer the questions myself because I, it was so traumatic. I just blocked it out. And so studying trauma and how it affects our brain has been a really big um, thing for me um, since that happened. And I try to help and support other people who've gone through other traumatic events so they can understand, you know, how to move on from life from that, uh, how to move on from life from that event. So, yeah, that's that's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good. Mm. So you really got into your academics and sports and travel. You like that. Um, yes. Anything else that really kind of formed you, you know, like you changed from this 12 year old who went through a traumatic event, lost your best friend. Um I mean, the whole world must have seemed like it came to an end and it was a fog. What are some of the things that you did to really kind of crawl out of that? How, how does a person get through that much of a traumatic event? And, and honestly, to a kid that's 12 years old, to lose your best friend right in front of you happen. Um, what is it that, you know, is it grit, gut, courage? What is that that, that you really found, you know, and, and who else helped you? Good question. So I think for me, it was time Um, seeing her pass away and going to the funeral and realizing that she was 12 years old. um, My life could end at any moment. I could get in a car. You know, I start I started to value time more than I ever had as a 12 year old kid. And growing up, I would utilize my time so intentionally. I never wanted to waste time. And even still now, time, this aspect of time stresses me out because I don't think I think we have enough time here, but it goes by so quickly. Like I'm 23 and I know that's young, but I still feel like, holy guacamole, I am 23 years old. That is, (laughs) I'm getting older and older. So I think time is what, time was the lesson that she taught me the most. You know, she had 12 years of life and it was beautiful, but 
what was I going to do with my time? Because I didn't pass away. You know, I I am still here. I still have this opportunity. I have a lesson that I can keep, you know, moving on with and teaching other people and give back. I think that was another one, too, is giving back to people in any way, shape or form I could because I just love helping people more than anything. Um, so time and, and giving back and being intentional with both of those things. That's fantastic. You know, I heard recently that um, we get so many endorphins firing when we are in the act of service. Mm-hmm. When we serve another, it brings us joy. And, and that sense of joy is just such a high, a natural high to all of us, any, anyone that does it. Mm-hmm. And so um, you have a common thread with the people that I've talked to on this show that have had that really close call and have a second chance at life feel like what is it that I'm going to do with the rest of my life for as long as it is because it could be very short it could end tomorrow or next month or whatever and um, or it could live for another 50 years who knows but in that time what is it that I'm going to accomplish and how often am I going to be able to help somebody else that might be able to go that's going through that Mm -hmm. and so I I love that and and what you're saying um it says a lot about you, you know, and, and uh, at 23, you do have so much ahead of you. What kind of things do you want to accomplish going forward? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? As of right now, I think the biggest thing for me is spending my time with my parents because they're getting older and older and older. Um, don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't tell my dad. That. Yeah, for sure. um, absolutely. So one of those things is spending time with my family. I have a niece and nephew and I just love, absolutely love spending time with them. But um, some other things that I would love to do um, is get my private pilot's license. That's around the corner. Um, I also want to get certified in skydiving. I'm actually going skydiving tomorrow in Moab. We just booked it on the spur of the moment. Moab, Utah. Yes. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, some other things I would love to do is travel to every single country in the world. I'm at like 27 or something like that. And I think being cultured. Tell me some of the places you've been. Um, Italy, Greece, Turkey, Mexico, Canada, um, Spain, all over Europe, uh, Prague, Vienna, Austria, um, Poland, Germany. Going to Auschwitz was really hard. Um, Why was that hard? Oh, my goodness. The energy of that place is wild. And death, for me, with what we're talking about, is very sensitive. So just I was crying the moment I just walked into that place. I could just sense and feel all the things that were happening. and, And everyone kind of felt that way. And it was a gloomy day. And I just couldn't believe what had taken place there yeah Yeah. so that was very hard (laughs) oh what a great experience and what um how how does a person as young as you do all this travel this is fantastic interesting to me yes so from as soon as i got my car i was just going all over the place um i didn't care who with or how when when where how wherever (laughs) i just wanted those experiences and it ties back to time and lauren passing away because we always talked about getting an apartment and traveling together and not having to do that experience with her i i wanted to take advantage of it so how well um i went to college i was going to be uh, a chemical engineer and I did my first semester um, there, and then I got an internship, and I could not stand to do it for a second longer. I just felt like for the first time in my life, I was 19 years old. I, I finally have freedom. I don't have to get, you know, hi- I don't have to go to high school. I had, I, for the first time, I had freedom, and that freedom was so addicting 
It was so addicting that I dropped out of school and started a social media marketing business. And um, at the first year of business was extremely hard, extremely difficult. I thought about giving up and just being a park ranger in a national park here in the U.S. or something fulfilling. I really didn't care about money or things or I'm not really attached to most. Like I live in a van. I'm a minimalist. Um, so I, I didn't care. And so with that being said, after the first year, business started doing very well. Um, what does that business tell me about, about your business yeah. in social media? Yeah. So I have, um, a social media platform, um, and I do high ticket sales. So selling anything between, um, coaching programs, all, all the whole spectrum. And I'm also really into affiliate marketing. I also host retreats for different clients. I do one-on-one coaching. I try to stay diverse within that. And it also goes back to serving and helping people. So my favorite part of it is probably the coaching. And I coach um, women anywhere from 18 to 28 on how to start a social media marketing business, build a following, and then sell products and services um, with whatever niche they're in. So it can be um, travel or beauty or fashion or fitness or whatever you know their thing is but I would say for the most part our community is a lot of travel girls and you build a following and with a small following you can sell a lot of stuff and I don't think a lot of people knew that and when I discovered that I was like wow I can duplicate this process I can help multiple yeah. people that have a, a passion to travel the world and work you know you don't have to stay in an office your whole life and so yeah that's what business is all around and like I said, in the first year, it was not good. I was really stressed. And then after a uh, business picking up, I was, I had location freedom. So I decided to start traveling all over the place um, by myself, really, for the most part. But I also bring my, my parents along, as you know. My dad was in Alaska with us. Right. Yeah. 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 And you guys caught more fish than anybody, I think, there. <laughs> and um, I was really jealous. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did okay. Yeah, you did really well. Um do you actually do you um are you able to tune into the uh, to the internet with your laptop and everything while you're on the road do you just do work from the road and just tune in with wi-fi and stuff out there yep so i just have a hot spot on my cell phone i set up the hot spot and i just work on my laptop same thing um, when i'm on an airplane going to dubai here uh, tomorrow or the next the next day um i just am gonna have zoom meetings all day long on the airplane and yeah, I just travel and hotspot in no matter where I'm at. And actually on the way here too, I was just answering a few emails. I think there's so many ways, again, to utilize our time that we don't take advantage of. And when I recognized that I can make money and travel the world, it was just catastrophic to fulfill my fu- fulfill the need for me to sure. um, just keep my time intentional and do what I want with my time. And I actually struggle with this concept of being so young and being able to do kind of whatever I want on unapologetically I kind of just do what I want as I want and I think that concept of doing it at such a young age can come off as arrogant sometimes or the people will look at me and say Cheyenne how are you doing this and I explain it to them and they're like no way and I'm like yeah yeah you can do it so it's working for me yeah right right yeah so it's really it's it's a I think it's a a new wave I think you know hundreds of years from now we'll look back and just you know kind of giggle because so many people will be um, utilizing time and location independence or freedom. So, yeah, oh, it's a fantastic concept. And everyone's really learned um, the freedom that you have when you work from home. Um, you work remotely. You're yeah. able to actually just take your workstation, go home, set it up, 
um, and work from there and, and have a little bit more balance in, in your life. Yes. And you have found that already and, and uh, are a proponent of it. So yeah. that's really, really cool. Um, so, do you know, what when you, I- I over the past, since you were 12 and you lost your friend, mm-hmm. have you ever felt like she's around you? I mean, I don't want to get creepy or anything like that mm-hmm. on this, but do you feel that she's around every once in a while that you kind of just feel your friend is still there, you know, kind of watching over your, what you're accomplishing? Yes, absolutely. I think, um, I'm a, I dream I have lucid dreams often. I had one last night. Um, so I, I love dreaming. I study it. I think it's so cool. And she's been in my dreams oh, all the time um, since she's passed away. And I think that's really neat. And even I'm a big person of, of signs or everything happens for a reason or everything's kind of supposed to fall into the place how it's supposed to. I just kind of yeah. let I'm go with the flow, let whatever happened happen. And I think when I'm traveling or um, feeling like it lonely or um need a sign or something to kind of reflect on she always comes through in some way shape or form she loves dogs I don't have a dog because I travel so often right now and I would love to have a dog and all of my friends have dogs and so I think that dog would you want um I think I would want like an Irish setter or Britney Spaniel, maybe a bird dog. My dad had them growing up, and I just love them. It kind of connects me to my childhood. So I yeah. think one of those types of dogs, yeah, something you could play with. Yes, and absolutely. And go everywhere with you and be your little adventure dog. Absolutely, yeah, hiking yeah. with me all over the place. For yeah, sure. It's got to fit in the van, so I think that's a good size. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Would you change anything? Um. I think from the whole experience being 12 and I'm 23 now, so I've had a kind of a decade to reflect and realize what's happened and how it's happened. Um, I think if there's, uh, if there's one thing I could change again, I think everything happens for a reason, but I think my parents getting divorced at that time was so terrible because I needed parents. Um, and then I moved, I moved from Missouri to Illinois. You know, I got out of there. And I think that when you moved, did you move by yourself? You moved with one of them. Who went with you? Um, My dad. So my parents are flexible and I moved in with my dad. um, But my dad uh, owns a small construction business and he traveled over the United States. So he was never home Um, from that point on as well. I was a a parent, uh, if you will, to my little brother. I took care of him, laundry, dishes, cooking, cleaning as a 12 year old kid. Um, So I think. If I could get a little sliver of my of my childhood back and not be an adult at twenty or, or at twelve years old, that's one thing I would change. Because I look back on that time and uh, you know even my aunts, I would go visit my aunts and my uncles, and they're like, Cheyenne, you're cooking and cleaning. And at the time, it was just again normal to me, and I didn't really think much of it. But uh, now reflecting on, it, I'm like, what? I should. I I wish I had just a few more months or years of of my childhood not to grow up so quickly. And I think that's another thing that is a trend in my life. Um, I'm a business owner. I started business at 19 and I think sometimes I, I, I try to get ahead. So, um, just trying to remember to stay, um, my age. Um, even though sometimes I feel like I'm 40 or 30 or different maturity levels. I wish sometimes I could just go back to being 12 and just be 12 instead of, um, growing up so quickly. Interesting. When you see others that suffer from something similar to what you went through, what do you tell them? How Um, do you help them? Yeah, I would say um, I love pouring into people, helping them and giving advice 
when and if I can assess the situation. I'm a big empath, so I can always like, feel when energy is different and stuff. And I think something that I always tell people is to be intentional with their time. Just, hey, um, whatever you're going through, probably two weeks from now, maybe even tomorrow or six months from now, isn't going to matter to you as much as whatever you're going through. So I think sometimes we get caught up in in stress or certain events or little things and you know years from now they're not going to matter so that's something I try to tell people or give advice on is be intentional with your time Um, if you're upset about something reflect on it and then try to you know push it into a positive area or just get rid of it if it doesn't serve you so I think that's something I try to always remind people of is we're not here for that long of a time and just have fun go travel (laughs) be intentional (laughs) yeah for sure so when things get really rough um you just kind of have to be comfortable in yes. that moment, right? Um, yes. Just instead of really letting it drag you down and, and absolutely snuff the fire that you have out, mm-hmm. um, it sounds to me like you're you're finding a way to really kind of push through that mm-hmm. and, and, and learn from the moment. You've learned so much in your short lifetime. Um, it's impressive to me. So... Um, are you happy? Have you been happy since then? Or did, did you, you know, I know you struggled emotionally for, for a while. They're losing her. Yes. Um, w- at what point was it that you really became happy? Yeah, I think um, probably just recently. I think getting out of um, St. Louis, I love my hometown so much, but going back there at any time into the house, into my mom's house, being with my dad, um, my dad was dating her mom you know like I I was constantly reminded of of that and one of my traumatic um, getaways is leaving the situation so I would always leave to escape feeling unhappy and now when I go back to St. Louis I am so fulfilled I'm so happy I'm so content with being there but that recently just happened I would just say a year ago and another thing I'm really working on is defining happiness because each person's idea of what happy means is different So um, just kind of figuring that out. But I would say I probably struggled for six to eight years on just being so stressed out about time. Like I wasn't doing enough at all times, even though I was getting straight A's, getting scholarships, being, you know, the best in my whatever I could possibly do. um, It wasn't making me happy like that. That definition of having a 4.0 or being the best athlete that wasn't what was actually making me happy. I was just suppressing those emotions to do something. So I think now, um, within the last two years, happiness has a different definition to me, and it's just more about the journey and the time that we have here instead of the the end goal. Because most of the time when we get to the goal, it feels great or whatever accomplishment we want, but really the journey and reflecting back on the struggles or the good things or the people that were there with you to accomplish the goal is normally what is most fulfilling. And I didn't really realize that until the last few years. So, um, I would say I was really depressed, confused, stressed, anxious, you know, without knowing it, um, probably from 12 to 18. And when I got out of the house and I had, you know, so much freedom and time to reflect by myself instead of being in the house in the city, um, and surrounded by people, you know, that reminded me of Lauren. Um, that's when I think I redefined what happiness was and got time to heal instead of being there. So 
just recently, two years ago, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Well, you know, Cheyenne, when you drive around your van mm -hmm. um, and you, when you go down the road and you, where do you wind up going and parking and staying, o uh, you know, over the night? Talk to me about your normal daily routine living out of a van. Living out of a van. All right. Well, I wake up really early because the sun comes through the windows. There's a lot of windows in there. Yeah. And um, normally it's a Walmart parking lot or Loves, the gas station Loves, has a great system where they let you park there for free. Cabela's. It's normally a gas or it's normally a parking lot, which I think most people think. Under the street I've, light? To yes. Where you feel a little bit safer? Absolutely. Not out in the shadows? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely in the street light. I see other vans and RVs camped in the dark places of Walmart, and I'm like, what are you doing over there? You <laughs> never know who's going to go over Seriously, there. Seriously. Yeah. So, yeah, and I always make sure um, there's uh, a lot of van um, apps that show you where you can park, where you can't park if people have had good experiences or bad. Um, so I would say What about app is that? It's called iOverlander. Great. See, yes, if you ever need it. Wonder, what is that she's using? So I'm glad you said. Yeah, and you can use it for sleeping in your car or any vehicle, but I prefer a van because it has a nice bed in it. But 50% um, of the time I sleep in a parking lot and the other 50% of the time it's stunning views. I'm, you know, I wake up, I open my doors and we're by a river or a mountain or anywhere. So it's it's 50-50. I think the, the van life um, can be glamorized sometimes because we yeah. see photos and, and people traveling all the time. But the reality of it is there's usually always a problem. And yes, you will be sleeping in parking lots every once in a while. But um, being out in nature and being able to hike and get outside, I think is so healthy. We have so m you know much social media and so much technology and it's so beautiful. I, I love it. I'm so grateful for it. But on the flip side of that, getting back to nature and being able to hike is, is great. So, um, yeah, wake up in Walmart. Um, sometimes I go in to get some things, um, but I normally cook breakfast. It's a smoothie every morning, really easy to do. Um, and then I work normally from like nine to noon. And then for the rest of the evening, um, I adventure. So noon until sundown, I am deathly afraid of the dark. It's one of my biggest fears. I was fears. just going <laughs> to ask you, are you ever afraid? Yes. Absolutely. It's one of the biggest challenges I've had to do is living by myself in a van. Um, I will not open the door after the sun goes down. There's absolutely no way unless I'm in a very lit parking lot. Right, right. So after sun goes down, Cheyenne is in the van for the evening and sometimes I still work or I listen to a podcast or read a book, um, make some tea, watch a movie, something like that. Um, but yeah, you'll not catch me outside after the <laughs> sun goes down. Good, <laughs> yeah. good. That's, a, that's good. Yeah. Do you... Uh, do you protect yourself with a weapon? Do you, you know? Yes. I mean, I got to ask. You should. I, I saw you in Alaska. Come on. <laughs> D yeah. Do, do you protect yourself with a weapon? Yes. So I have um, a pocket door is what it's called. So if someone were to ever break into either window or the windshield, my dad and I built a door there. So there's two doors. So if anyone were to come in, I have some time. Um, so that's safety precaution number one. What a cool dad you have. He's I, thinking yeah. about these things. That's yes. awesome. Yes, I'm so grateful for him. Yeah. Um, building that van was so much fun. I look back on that time in my life and just am so grateful that COVID hit in a way because we, I see him, you know, for a, a yearly trip and then I go home for Christmas. And then other than that, I don't see my parents as often as I did growing up. And did you guys always go up there to, to Alaska fishing up there at the Grant Island at the, the Silver King Lodge? Is that a regular thing? No, that was our first. That was our first time. We okay. changed up every year. Our first trip um, was just float trips in Missouri, yeah. like local fishing trips, okay. and then we went to Italy. 
um, and then Alaska. And I think next year we're going to do Iceland. I think Iceland oh, would be really cool. Oh, we totally have that on our list really? for this next year. Yeah, yeah. we want to go to Iceland next year. So Good. I think yeah. there's a fault that's happening right there, um, and there's tons of volcanoes erupting. So I want to get there oh, within the next six months just because sure. it's a very rare event that's happening. And so drive around in a van. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Okay, back to the gun. Yes. What do you do to protect yes. yourself? There is a gun. So we have the pocket door. I have pepper spray, and it's right by my drawer. So every night before I go to bed, I just you know twist it a little bit so it's open and prepared. And um, then I have a gun. And my mom got that for me for Christmas, the, the, the Christmas after we got done building the van. And I'm like, Mom, what is this? And she was like, you need this, Cheyenne. And I'm like, what? Um, and I grew up hunting, fishing. Um, I've used guns many times, but it's usually like a shotgun or a 22. I've never had just a small handgun. So it was a little intimidating. Um, and actually just recently, um, I haven't used it in a while and I texted my dad and I said, Hey dad, can we go out and shoot this thing a few more times? Just because, um, gun safety is a really big priority in our house. We have everything locked up, you know, it's, it's a big deal. And so, yeah, I have the, um, mace, pocket door, and gun. And really with that, I feel comfortable. And then I'm also doing a self-defense class. I go once a week. Great. So yeah, I try to take those things seriously just because the reality of solo traveling as a female is, is safe. You know, taking precautions is always an extra good idea for me. So yeah. Yeah. Usually if you're, if you're planning on something going wrong, nothing happens. Exactly. But if you just totally go, go at it, Likes a date school, um, something definitely, you know, Murphy's Law will happen. Right. So. Yes. Um, I was going to ask you, um, also before I forget, your name Cheyenne is mm-hmm. such a cool name. And I, I grew up in Wyoming and I know very well Cheyenne, Wyoming. Where'd you get the name Cheyenne? Oh, that's a good, that's a funny story. Do we have a minute? No. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Um, So I, my dad's first kid, my dad had me at 42. And when I tell people that they look at my dad and they're like, how old is your dad? And I'm like 65. And they're like, no way. And I'm like, yeah, I know. So um, (laughs) um, anyways, so my mom and dad were having me and they told uh, the doctors told my mom and dad, Hey, you're having a, you're having a little boy. And um, my parents, you know, ecstatic with a healthy kid. And um, I come out and I'm not a boy. And my parents were going to name me Cody, um, which is another city in Wyoming. It sure is. Yes. Yeah. And um, they came up with Cheyenne because something had to go, <laughs> go on the birth certificate. Um, but I actually didn't know that story until I was about 12 years old. I was um, just just had moved with my dad across the river to Illinois. And I was flipping through some, some boxes and bags we had. And I, I flipped open the book and um, it was blue and it said baby boy. And I was like, oh, these are my brother's um, baby pictures because <laughs> I have a little brother. <laughs> and I open it and it said February 26, 1998. And I was like, wait a second. And um, this is a little rated R, a little inappropriate. But my dad circles, you know, the thing yeah. and writes, I'm having a boy. And I walk into the other room. My dad was making um, dinner and I opened the book and I looked at my dad and said, Dad, um, can you explain this? Like, what's going on here? And he goes, oh, Who is this? Yes. He, That's he you. Like, yeah. I was like, am I adopted? Who is this other kid? Like, what? And he was <laughs> like, no, you were going to be a boy. Your mom and I never told you that. And I was like, no, you didn't. After 12 years, I never knew this funny story. So um, it was originally going to be Cody. And it was funny because we met a girl um, named Cody when my dad and I were traveling once. And he was like, maybe we should have just kept it. And I was like, no, I, I like Cheyenne. I like that name. So yeah, I that's do where too. it comes from. Great. Yeah. I'm glad I asked you because that, that's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I love the name. Um, so 
two more questions. Yeah. I just wanted to find out, you know, you're eventually going to have a family of your own, mm-hmm. wouldn't you? Or, or are you interested in eventually having your own family? Yes, I want to have a bunch of kids. Great. Yes. When you do, I want to know, tell me about what kind of attitude you're going to have as a mom, you know, with your kids, having lived through what you did. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be a helicopter mom? Are you going to just float around your kids and... And, and hover over them and try not to let them ever skin their knee or hurt themselves? Or how are you going to be? Yes. So I do want to adopt a child because Lauren was adopted from Ukraine. And I think that's something that's really important to me. So at least one kiddo adopted from somewhere around the world. And then um, with the rest of them, I probably will with the first kid just learning, you know, that what, you know, being a mom is. After that, though, I think I will just let them roam free do their thing scrape their knees fall on their bike um i i think a lot of the things and the reason i am the way i am is because i had to learn them myself um when my parents got divorced like i had was raising my brother and doing a lot of things on my own and i didn't have any help and i think that's part of the reason i am the way i am today so when you ask the question of is there one thing you would change and i said my parents being divorced i almost hesitated because I think that's a big reason I am the way I am. So raising my kids in a way where they learn through their own experiences and we're also going to travel around the world. I'm going to homeschool them. I think reading textbooks and learning about ancient Rome would be so much more cool if I took my kids to ancient Rome and showed them all the things. So I do want to travel the world with my kids full time and kind of teach them um, about the world, history, math, science, whatever subject, um, through travel instead of a traditional school. We'll see how that goes because I want to have a lot of kids and I don't know <laughs> how that'll go going through the airport, but we'll see. But yeah, that's what I envision for my future is um, traveling with my kids so they can learn by being there instead of reading through a textbook because I just don't remember much of history class. I don't know if that's because I didn't care about it or <laughs> what, but I think it would be... You were moving on. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's what I think... That's how I think I'll raise my kids. So that Mr. Wright, your person, Mm -hmm. is going to have to be an adventurous person, very willing to go see the world and and do that with you, not these total opposites attract. This Mm -hmm. is going to be probably somebody that's going to be very much like you that really takes your hand, let's go, and and is in this the same way you are. Right. Yeah, I think think he's going to have to... um, want to do that and I think that takes an interesting person I've dated I've had boyfriends here and there um but at this point I'm just I'm just giving it to God I'm giving it to universe we can he'll come into my life when it's the right time yep. um but yes I do think he'll have to be adventurous um willing to raise kids around the world which um I don't think is going to be an easy task and it's very untraditional we you know we won't be with our families at all times I think um, that's hard not being, you know, so close to your family. We could be, you know, in Thailand or Africa or somewhere around the world. And, um, I'm, I'm just grateful for FaceTime. I think FaceTime is a really good tool to stay connected with your family while you're traveling and friends. So sure. yes. Do you, do you do that when you're on the road? Do you use FaceTime and, and, and do that like periodically? Yes. You know, with your family, with your mom and dad? Yes, absolutely. I'm talking to my mom very often. My dad as well. Um, my niece and nephew, I'm just, I love them so much. So I call them all at least once a week. Um, try to touch base because of, of just time again, I think, gosh, like my niece is already six years old or something like that, five or six. And that's just crazy to me. I remember when she was born. So just making sure that I touch base with, with people who are important to me because you never know, right. With, with sure. Lauren, just, just that happening. And yeah, so you never know. And, um, I try not to live in fear with that subject. Um, but just kind of keep a good balance between fear and time with, 
um, like my intentions of just connecting with my family and friends. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, in closing, um, you know, if you could give any final words, Mm -hmm. just after all the time you've had to think about things and even thinking about talking on this podcast, what are some just final thoughts that you Mm -hmm. would have that you can leave with me? I would say, I would say going back to defining happiness, because I think in a world where, you know, there's so many things going on in terms of culture and social media and hunger and, you know, I I think there's so much going on in defining happiness, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what country you're from, um, is important and touching base with that. Because even if you're in a place of, of poverty, you can still find happiness. I think our minds are super powerful and very strong. And like you were talking about, you know, whatever we think about kind of comes our, becomes our reality in some way, shape or form. Um, so defining what happiness is and, getting that in some way shape or form reverse engineering is something I actively do and what that means to me is coming up with a goal or a definition for something and figuring out action steps on how to get there so I think that's really helped a lot of people that um, have come to me for whatever reason is defining what happy means to you Um, and I think that definition can change often but um, yeah that would be my my last words or my final thoughts is what does happy mean to you and if it changes every once in a while that's okay Um, but I think really defining that is important. Fantastic. Cheyenne, this Mm -hmm. is awesome. It's been so good to talk to you tonight. Thank you so much for spending the time with me. It has been fantastic having Cheyenne on the show today. So until we hear from each other again, stay alive to tell about it.